Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to help. And fair warning, our help comes with some strong language attached. So you know the drill. Prepare for us. We about to say some things. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is the antidote. Woo, woo. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Another week, another Wednesday, another us. Another us. <laughs> <laughs> that already makes my week feel nicer. <laughs> so, uh, Amy, I, hmm. you know, I talked last week about that, you know, my antidote was that, oh, I'm going on a trip. Da, mm-hmm. da, da. Well, I plan my trip. I have done all my hotels. I've done all my flights. I'm so excited. Wow. Um, I'm buying impractical things um, (laughs) for my trip. I'm going to get a a new little bag, a crossbody bag for when I'm traveling. So um, you need some cute little outfits for the gram. Yeah, like cute little outfits for the grammar, just for me. You know, sometimes it's just nice to like be dressed up in a new place and um, look at new boys and all that. Yes, to um, looking at new boys. Let's yes. talk more about that. I know, no, a hundred percent. But you know, there is something. You know, I'm sure when they come here, they think we're exotic. So when we go over there, they're kind of exotic. Do to they? Us, you know. I- I would like to believe I, that. I, think so. I feel like they come to America so. and they're like, ooh, gross. Let me slum it for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> this whole country is ghetto. <laughs> okay. Well, Amy, we can't have the antidote if we don't have something to have an antidote from. You're not wrong. So now we're starting up top with our bummer news of the week. First up, you know, it's June, the month of Coca-Cola Presents Pride, um, uh, which means that, or, or you know, Barclays Bank Presents Pride. I could get Pride rainbow cookies. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Subway Sandwiches Presents Pride. Um, yeah. But really, it is Pride Month. Um, and yeah. so, obviously, as you know, a lot of corporations uh, go off and, like, say, like, oh, we're really pro-LGBTQ plus um, for, you know, the next 30 days. Um, And our first bummer news is really that there have been five players on the Tampa Bay Rays that opted out of wearing LGBTQ plus pride-themed uniforms during the team's annual Pride Night event. Five of them, Mm. they're all pitchers. I don't know what that says about pitchers, but they declined to wear the pride-themed jerseys, citing religious beliefs. And in fact, one of the players, Jason Adams, said, quote, a lot of it comes down to faith, to like a faith-based decision. So it's a hard decision because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that all are welcome and loved here, end quote. So is it a hard decision if what you want is for everyone to be welcome and loved here, Jason? Yeah. Because you've been contradicting yourself since that first sentence. Exactly. So... Wearing the pride decal is saying that you guys are welcome 
um, and loved here. That part. And then also like to go to the extreme of like peeling off things off your jersey. And also I think what's nuts about it is like some commentators have even been like they've rallied against the team for being too political or quote unquote woke and some said we're no longer going to attend games and while others were of course applauding the race for promoting inclusivity. And I always find it funny when people who are like season ticket holders are like we're going to boycott the games and it's like they already got your money. Okay. So you won't be there. Someone else will. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's what? A, uh... And why is it political or woke to put a rainbow on your shirt? I'm like, I'm sorry, but you can't like, I, I, I mean, it's a conversation. I, it's an argument that's too old and frankly, like dumb to continue to have with people who just do not see other people's humanity. It's similar to what Black people go through. It's similar to what Asian people go through, where it's like, if you are refusing to see my humanity, I don't know where to begin talking to you. Um, that's what it feels like yeah. to me. So I'm like, cancel the race. <laughs> or cancel these five pictures. <laughs> cancel baseball. I'm a writer and I like words to mean the correct things. To me, political means stuff um, related to a political party. Um, somebody's identity as an LGBTQIA person, to me, that is not political. Mm -hmm. To me, that is um, an Social. identity that has been under attack. Um, so I, I just also really hate the use of anytime you're saying like, oh, Black people and gay people and trans people should have the same rights. Um, as a straight uh, white cisgender people. Everyone's like, don't be political. I was like, nothing about that is political. Mm -mm. I, and an identity being a thing is not political. Mm -hmm. So your argument that, oh, it's getting too political, that doesn't even math yeah. You know, make Speak it make on sense that. that. Speak on that. You know, so, um, you know, affirming people's identities and making everyone feel welcome is not a political act. It's a human act. Yes. Um, it's a, a kind act. It's a American act because this country was supposedly founded on the principles that everybody could be welcome here on religious freedom. Obviously, we know that our country didn't start out that way because uh, people like me and Amy started out in chains. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, if you're talking about the ideals, the uh, the highest ideals of America, it's supposed to be for everyone. So that is not political. That is just um, humane to me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And thank you for speaking on that, sis. I just got a whole word. But that's not the only bummer news we have this week. Next up, um, have you been hearing that people are calling Cardi B out for using her singles in her upcoming album? Yeah, it made me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> so people are coming at Cardi saying she is trying to boost the numbers on her album by using the singles Up and WAP on her sophomore album. There are folks on both sides of the debate in support and against. Of course, Cardi heckled her haters by tweeting, LMAO, imagine me not putting my own records on my album. And I'm really annoyed by this because I'm like, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of I know. albums, don't singles go on albums? I, I admit it made me feel old. I was like, I feel like this <laughs> must be coming from like the youths, you know, that don't remember when you used to get a single on the radio first and then you would get the music video on MTV uh, or VH1. <laughs> and then you had to wait for a while. And then you were psyched to have the single on the album because you liked the song. Yeah. And before streaming, you couldn't just listen to whatever song whenever. Like yeah. you would get the CD 
and you would be happy that the song's on the CD because you've been hearing it and you wanted to have it in your house. So this made me feel mad old because I was just like, these children, they expect fresh music, every single song to be fresh on an album. I was like, that is not something that I was brought up to expect. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, Grace. I mean, there was one fan who waded into the debate and they said, quote, I don't see anything wrong with it. The sophomore album was always supposed to be WAP and Up's home. Then she got pregnant and things got delayed. The songs are part of the work and not just random songs thrown on an album. And I'm like, end quote, sorry, I meant to end that quote. But I'm over here like, I listened to DJ Khaled's last album and it's like all singles. (laughs) Yeah. Why are we mad at Cardi for doing what other artists do? I feel like a lot of people just want to be mad. Also, why would it boost sales? We already have the singles. So if you're buying the album, you're not buying it for those singles because you already own those singles. So I'm confused again. Also, who buys albums anymore? Like you usually have like Apple Music or Spotify and you're streaming stuff. You know, that feels like that's that's the most... You know, so I'm just kind of like, what are you? So you got some extra songs. You wanted more extra songs? Like what? I don't really get it. So um, maybe Grandma Grace needs somebody (laughs) to explain to her why people (laughs) would be upset. But I uh, genuinely was perplexed by this because this is how music has been released my entire life. Yeah. It also feels like weirdly anti-mommy, like because it took a long time for her album to come out. But she was like, making humans. So I'm I'm just kind of like, y'all, are y'all just mad that the album took a while to come out? Maybe remember that she's a mom and she had a lot of other work to do. Um, yeah, even if, it, even if she wasn't, I was just like, get off her neck. Let women right. do whatever fuck they want. I was just like, you know who I stand right now? Fucking oh. Rihanna. I, I stand her every yes. day because we I, ask yeah. for music all the time and she won't give us shit. And now no. she's got that baby. You know, she really won't give us shit. Exactly. So, you know, she's like, I'm we, moving back to we are not owed. My Fenty Mansion. Yeah, we are not owed anything by these artists. If Cardi decides to sit down for the rest of her life and say, you know what? I made all my money. I'm not going to make not one other bit of music or whatever. Um, that would be her right. She could do whatever she was for her life. You're absolutely right. (laughs) And I literally really expected Rihanna. I was like, will she troll us and name her baby album and be like, there's the album you asked for? (laughs) I I just wanted her to do something nuts like her baby's middle name is single. (laughs) Because I was like, we don't deserve nothing from that queen. She's like, I gave you looks. I I reinvented the Met Gala. Rihanna's not a comedy writer, but yeah. (laughs) A comedy writer would do some bullshit like that. I I named my baby album, so y'all should have fuck up now. You I know. got an album for the next 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, ordinarily after the bummer news, we really feel like shit. But um, in supporting <laughs> Cardi and Rihanna, I actually don't feel that terrible. Yeah, I feel kind good. of okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the world still sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the antidote. So this is a segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news and the world. Um, What was your antidote this week, Grace? So, um, honestly, uh, everyone, I I will will be very honest right here. Uh, This was a week. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was a week uh, as far as work stuff. So I didn't get to do uh, very much uh, self-care. But uh, I did... Uh, buy something that arrived this week and mm-hmm. it really made me smile. So I got a blazer. What? Like a jacket? <laughs> I know like for business very, ladies? 
Like you work at a bank? Boring. <laughs> yeah, I did. So I have a like friend that's uh, very fashion fashionable, um, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so she told me um, a while back, you know, I, I was into a lot of, you know, designer bags in 2021. And I've sort of got a collection now. So I've slowed down to stopped on that. <laughs> um, but I was just like, oh, you know, I would love to have like some really nice pieces so that when I go out or, you know, if I have an event, I can just like throw out, throw together an outfit real quick and feel mm. like cute. Mm-hmm. And so sh- the advice she gave me was get a really nice blazer. Hmm. Um, and I was just like a blazer. I'm, I don't do that. That's where but I'm at. Then I'm when like I, blazer. I thought about it. So my whole life has been about rebelling against against the blazer. <laughs> like Wait, your whole you know, life. Parents, That's why you became no, a TV listen. writer. You're like, I will never have exactly. a job where I have to wear a blazer. <laughs> exactly. Explain so, why your you whole know, life has been about rebelling. I will explain. Um, so, you. <laughs> you know, I, I'm from immigrant parents. They wanted me to be a lawyer. They wanted me to be something in the professional world. Yeah. My dad wanted me to be a professor. Yeah, you so, you know, that whole, like, you have to dress a certain way to be at work thing. You know, I've been rebelling against that my whole life. That's why I started out as an actor. Um, and, you know, now I'm a writer where you don't have to wear, you can wear sweatpants to uh, work and it doesn't matter. So, um, so I was just like, oh, so I guess I get had sort of like a thing against blazers because I'm just like, that's the uniform of the man. Go oh, I was going to say I'm laughing because I definitely felt the same way, but I conformed like my first assistant job. I showed up in a suit and <laughs> my boss was definitely wearing jeans and was like, what? That is so cute. And then I was like, <laughs> I did it for like four days and I was like, Mom and Dad, ain't nobody room. dressing like this. I got to change my clothes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Yeah, so I like, I was just like, blazers, that's not for the creatives like me. And so, uh, but then like I began to actually look around and I was just like, oh, a lot of these these blazers are being styled in such a cute way, like over a mm. little sundress. Mm. And so I, I was just like, oh, okay, so maybe I can can get a blazer, but like in a way that I would enjoy wearing it. So I um, did some research and I found this really pretty, like blush rose uh, blazer from Frankie Shop uh, that is oversized. And I love it. It's hmm. gorgeous. I can't wait to bring it on my vacation because Amsterdam is a, a little cool still in the summer. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to bring it on my vacation to Amsterdam and like rock it over some cute little dresses at night. And um, even the other night, uh, I, I went to dinner uh, with my friend um, from film school and it got a little chilly at night and I had my little regular jacket on, but I was like, you know, this would have been a moment for that blazer. So mm. I'm just like excited to incorporate this uh, blazer into uh, my uh, wardrobe in a fun way. You won me over when you said it was uh, soft pink. Because in my head, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like hard shoulders, black, three buttons. And I'm just like, and I was like, what? But you're right. A blazer can be um, feminine. It can be whimsical. I remember seeing mm-hmm. someone on Instagram who had a gold blazer on, like with sequins. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Okay. All right. I understand this antidote. I do. <laughs> and just to say, like, if you do have a job that wears a blazer, I, I don't I didn't mean to insult She's you. She's mad uh, about it. <laughs> you 
job. I would be to insult you. No. <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, me and, and myself or whatever. I'm sure people that there are very cool ladies like in suits, you know, with jobs all over. First, I was going to say, if anyone has a job where you do rock a blazer to work, I mean, come on, tag us. Like, let us know how to rock a blazer, ways that it can be cute, ways that it can look good, ways that it's not what we would expect. Because in our industry, people don't wear suits. But I have seen women in some nice suits before. So, and men, I love men's fashion. So if you have rocked a blazer in a way that we should see, just tag us on Instagram and let us know. Uh, Okay, Amy, what is your antidote this week? My antidote this week is uh, rooftops. And by that, I mean... Yeah, just like a rooftop moment. Some of our listeners might know that I went to UCLA for grad school for uh, film and television. It was so wonderful. Um, And I was honored this week to speak at the UCLA 2022 uh, commencement ceremony as the distinguished alum. Yes, we love this. I won a distinguished alumni award and um, got to give a little speech. The other commencement speaker was Troy Kotzer, who uh, won the Oscar this year for the movie Coda. And um, so it was really awesome to get to speak and get get this award and get to try and inspire some youths. Um, and I'm sure you inspired the youths. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. And afterwards, um, five of my friends who came to see me speak took me out for a drink and we went on a rooftop. Um, and Aww. we, I had not... Like, I love, like, oh, I love a rooftop. It's something I love about New York. Like, New York has a lot of rooftop bars. So does Mm -hmm. L.A. And people sometimes don't think about L.A. as a rooftop location. But they out here, and there are some places to get a nice drink and a view. And we happened to, Mm -hmm. we went a little bougie. We didn't know where to go. And we didn't go bougie on purpose. We were just like, what's a rooftop near UCLA? And I saw a mm-hmm. rooftop by JG in Beverly Hills. And I was like, what's that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's go there. It had five stars. And I was like, let's go. It was at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got up there and not only did we look amazing, because of course, but also it was 360 views. And I was like, it was an accidental antidote. It like the breeze on a rooftop when it hits you, just the vibe is right. And like we were just having a cocktail while it's still sun out. And I was like, I love a rooftop. And now I just want to become, you're a blazer bitch. I want to become a rooftop bitch. I'm like, this you summer, I'm going to be hitting up a rooftop a week because I'm like, there's something about that breeze up there and being a little above the mess. The chaos, dem streets, that makes me yeah. feel at ease. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing that people don't remember about LA. You can get some incredible views because like we have yeah. all these hills and mountains and and um, you know and all the palm trees and especially at night it can be really really pretty. So our antidotes this week didn't like kind of like converge how they usually do, you know, no, like how no. we're usually so similar, like on the same grind. But I will but say. That's okay. That you know a great place to wear a pink blazer? Ah, <laughs> on a rooftop. Okay, I love that. We got to do it. that writer might be working. Yes, yes. I love the connection. There's the always connections. a connection between our antidotes. So the next time I'm heading to a rooftop, I'm bringing my girl and she's rocking out with her blazer. I'm rocking that blazer. <laughs> 
Um, also, we want to know what your antidotes are. Don't forget, please tell us your self-care stories. Head to our website, antidoteshow.org. Scroll to the bottom and press contact us. Also, you can send us a voice note or a video. It doesn't have to be an email. We might just play it on a future episode. We'll be back right after this break. Well, welcome back to The Antidote. We have a very special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Our guest today is a showrunner, writer, and queen weaver. That's right, she weaves, not hair, but fabric. This Navajo Mexican-American goddess hails from Tucson, Arizona, and she advocates for more women of color in writers' rooms every day. You can catch the second season of her show, Rutherford Falls, a comedy starring Ed Helms and Janice Schmeeding on Peacock right now. Please welcome Sierra Teller Ornelas. <laughs> Thank you. Um, before I start, yat eh, Sierra Ornelas and she, tabahe nishle, nakaidne bashishchint, tuahaglini dishache do nakaidne additionally. My name is Sierra Teller Ornelas. I'm a member of the Navajo Nation. I am Edgewater clan born for the Mexican clan. Um, traditionally, when we speak in front of large groups, we start by first introducing ourselves and our clan. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm so excited. This is like one of my favorite podcasts. So this is like so oh, cool. Thank you. Oh my God. Oh my God. You're one of our you. favorite people. So <laughs> yes. I'm stoked to hear that. Fans interviewing fans. <laughs> yes. We're standing each other today. Um, so uh, she is very impressive, um, mm-hmm. Amy. Um, but we are not here to talk about her many, 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 many accomplishments. We are here to get deep. That's right. So let's check in first. How are you feeling today, Sierra? Like for real, not small talk. Is there anything that's weighing on you? Anything bringing you up, down? I'm good-ish. I'm like excited to be, I'm at ATX uh, Festival right Mm -hmm. now, which is like a television festival. And I'm kind of riding high. We did a couple of panels today and Mm. I got to premiere um, my show Rutherford Falls yesterday, the season two premiere. And it was really, I haven't been in a movie theater because like we, the show both seasons were made during the pandemic mm-hmm. and I took really COVID stuff really seriously. And I had a lot of family members who were heavily impacted by, by mm-hmm. COVID. And so um, I hadn't been to the movie theater and to go and like, just like sit and drink a diet Coke and watch people watch our show and laugh at the right moments and like really enjoy it was just like, it was so joyous. And so mm-hmm. I was, I had a lot of anxiety about coming here. And so I'm feeling really good. I'm missing my son's um, carnival. We worked like all year to raise money (laughs) to like this carnival. And so I got to FaceTime him and he's like eating a Ninja Turtle ice cream and like having the best day of his life. And I had to just sort of watch it. So it's a little bittersweet, but he's clearly unaffected. He's like on so much serotonin (laughs) from the sugar and the bounce house. So it's good. It's all, it's mostly good. And someday he'll be able to be like, my mommy's like a badass showrunner. So, you know, (laughs) That's great. Yeah. He's pretty aware. He's always like, yeah, he he kind of knows mom makes TV, which is weird. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I also love just a Ninja Turtle ice cream with the gumdrop eyes. Is it one of those? Yeah, exactly. The bubblegum eyes. Man, that takes me back. Uh, So this show is called The Antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with all the bullshit. So what is your antidote? In other words, what is something non-work related that's bringing you joy this week or this month or this year? Honestly, I think my antidote lately has just been sitting in my car. It's like mm. not the most. It's, 
<laughs> not the most luxurious thing in the in world, traffic? but my dad, no. So like when my dad, my dad was a pharmacist, is a pharmacist mm-hmm. and he used to work night shifts. And so he would come home mm-hmm. at like 6 a.m. And he'd be like, you want to go get a coffee? And I was like 10 and shouldn't probably have been drinking coffee. But we'd go to Circle <laughs> K and like split a newspaper and just sit in, in the car. And I'd like oh people God. watch and like sip on a coffee. And it was mostly just like, milk and sugar I think probably right, right but whenever I get like kind of down by life when you're working and you're a mom and you have like no time finding mm-hmm. like little five minute increments that are like just for you mm-hmm. um and oddly I really like sitting in my car so I'll like get to work 10 minutes early and like blast music because music always sounds the best in your car in your car and I'll just sing at the top of my lungs or I'll have like a little five minute date with myself with like the pastry I want or the the drink that I want and just kind of like kind of it's not meditative I don't know if it's healthy <laughs> but it's like being in a cocoon or something for for five minutes um oh and I just kind of take that time yeah I identify with this I have a bad ha- well not a bad habit I think I am seeking time to myself and like just like quiet and solitude, but I'll come back from like driving to a meeting or whatever. I'll come back home and I'll sit in my garage until like the light sensor goes off. Yes, like I'll just be yes. in the garage and I'll <laughs> keep listening to my podcast and sitting there or like play, finish the song that I'm listening to or answer two emails and I'm just by myself. And then the light turns off in my garage and I'm in the darkness. And then I'm like, okay, time to go, girl. <laughs> but I feel that. And I love that it's like connected to a memory about your dad too. I think that's yeah. so sweet. Like some of these things that you don't even realize, like a couple years ago, like I realized like my dad used to bring us like candy at night. Um, he used oh. to bring us like Snickers bars or whatever. Yeah. Like whenever he come home from work, like he would go to fr- from work to the gym or whatever. Hi, dad. I know you're listening. Um, so he'd go <laughs> from work to the gym. And then afterwards, he would bring us a little treat like a candy. And so I realized that's connected to my desire. I only want sweets at night. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like so lovely. Yeah. So it like. It, 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 you don't know how those little things like affect you. And I think it's really sweet that you're dead. First of all, I'm just like picturing tiny you with a half of a newspaper <laughs> and a cup <laughs> of coffee. The how cute is that? <laughs> <laughs> it was probably like the funny pages, but yeah, I was like a 40 year old man when I was 10, basically. Just but like reading I knew Kathy. With my... <laughs> yeah, just oh, the best. Oh my God. That's what um, one of the writers on Rutherford Falls calls me is Navajo Kathy, because I'm always like stressed and like running around. <laughs> He's like, ack, ack, is like. <laughs> uh, well, you were quoted as saying, you've come a long way from reading those funny pages. And you were quoted as saying, quote, the Navajo are a matrilineal tribe. So it's not weird for women to be in charge, end quote. I want to know, what does it feel like, Sierra, to be a bad bitch? What's it feel like? You are in charge. You're running a show you created. What does that feel like? Amazing. It feels really good. Like, I feel like we all have similar careers and that like we worked our way up from from Mm -hmm. staff writer and we're not like, you know, I mean, like Amy and I worked on Happy Endings together and like that was my first job in television and it was David Cast, the show creator's first job in television. So like Mm -hmm. there are people who show up and have these ideas and they get made. And I very much was like not someone who just showed up. I like have been here for for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And and, I mean, you remember that room, like Josh Bicell Mm -hmm. and Groff and Gail, like they love to teach and they love to, oh, my huge room, Hillary, like they love to teach and they love to give like lessons. And I remember just like writing everything down, like writing down what to do, what not to do, because they like, 
like people would come back with failed pilots and like explain where it went wrong right, and right. things like that. I remember just like writing it all down. <laughs> and so it's almost like when I get to be in this job and impart that knowledge to the new writers, which is like such yeah. a great feeling, especially the native writers. And then also like to know what to do in those situations. Cause someone told yeah. you, you know, it's just like a really cool feeling of like, I remember bosses having those like one percenter jokes or like, I don't care if anyone gets it. I just want to put it in. And like mm-hmm. the ability to do that and know that mm-hmm. like native people are going to get it. And like, it's your story and you get to, and the story of so many people in your community, like, it's just, it's a great feeling. I don't yeah. know about that bitch, but it feels good to be the boss. Like I've you always been bossy. <laughs> so uh, with all this Kathy energy that you yes. have. Um, <laughs> frantic. Uh, frantic energy. Do you have any rituals in your life that sort of help calm you? Um, I used to go to Korean spas a lot. That was like my mm-hmm. favorite thing to do pre-COVID. And I've kind of tried to recreate a lot of that with like baths and face masks and things like that. Um, I bought uh, at Target, there was this sort of like basic basic bitch mom target egg chair that like during the pandemic just like went away and i'm a part of this um mom's group on facebook and anytime Uh they were like like the target in Reseda has the egg chair like it was a big deal (laughs) you know like i was up late or something and someone posted that like the, the egg chairs are in eagle rock and i was like i bought one immediately and i put it together and i just have this little balcony and it's weird. It's like being in a cage, except it's got a big opening. But I sit uh-huh. out in this little balcony that I have and I just look out my my into the like kind of Glendale Hill mm-hmm. in my house. And sometimes I'll sit with my son and I'll just mm-hmm. like drink coffee and just stare and kind of have a moment. We have these. Um, I've had some some deaths in my family due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And my mom t- said that like she believes that hummingbirds are signs of people coming to visit you. And so we have like a lot of hummingbirds come and it's just really lovely to kind of watch them and feed them and just sit and kind of have a moment, especially like before my son wakes up or before my husband wakes up and just kind of have Mm -hmm. that time alone. Sometimes I just scroll on Twitter and it's not healthy, (laughs) but somehow in the egg, it feels, it still feels healthy-ish a little bit. Because you're in your egg, you're in like your cocoon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, when it comes to a spa day, that speaks to Grace because we heard Grace's uh, self-care routine. So I want to hear from both of you. What is your like must in your spa day, self-care, skincare, whatever the thing is that you do to sort of relax and bring like self-beauty back into your life? What is your must? What's the thing that you're like, I got to do this each time? I have like a big like soaking tub, like a Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I'll oh, get it like really gosh. hot and I'll put in during the pandemic, January Jones had that like um recipe where it was like baking soda and um apple Wait, cider vinegar. What? I did it once and I was like, mm. this is too much for me. I can't do it. It was like <laughs> I was like, God bless you, January Jones. I can't, I can't do it. But I'll do like a lot of a lot of Epsom salts and a little mm-hmm. bit of bath oil mm-hmm. and I'll just soak and soak. But I'll do um like a Caldell like face mask. Because I feel mm-hmm. like your pores open up, so it really kind of penetrates. Yeah. And then I'll get one of those like Korean scrub scrubs and just scrub all the dead skin and kind of give mm-hmm. myself my own Korean scrub. Mm. Um, and then you sometimes you have to like let the water go and kind of clean it out and then refill. So mm-hmm. sometimes if I'm feeling very special, I will treat myself to a refill because I hate wasting water. <laughs> I feel very guilty. But if it's yeah. been a very long day and then I'll like 
set up an iPad. I had, um, there's an incredible PA on our show who is a woodworker and he took wow. measurements of my bathtub and made a little like trumbo <gasps> table for me so I can like work uh, in the bathtub or I can watch dream. something. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing. Like this is beautiful, like zebra wood. And, um, and I'll just sit there and just hang out by myself for a while. Sometimes my son will come visit for a second and then he'll leave <laughs> just to like, check on me. This is mommy time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, but it's good. And then, um, and then I'll do a hair mask. That's the big thing. So Wait, my favorite what? things to do. Yeah. So you, you like what, well, I'll do like a scrub for my scalp and then uh-huh. they have these hair masks that you can put on. Sometimes what I'll do if I'm feeling really down and I have to go to work is I will wet my hair and put a giant hair mask on where I just like mm-hmm. douse my hair in it. And uh-huh. I'll do two braids and kind of hidey clip them up and so oh, it looks cute serious. all day yeah and then at night I'll take the bath so like it's Ooh. like my hair is getting ready and then I, I take the bath and have 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 a night yeah I've done that before I've like <laughs> deep conditioned all day yeah. so I will I'll like put the conditioner in my hair and then I'll put like a little plastic cap on and then I'll put a little head wrap on over it so mm-hmm. it's my little secret I'm I'm <gasps> just getting my moisture in <laughs> nobody knows and there's something about it where it's like I'm being so productive in my relaxation yeah, <laughs> like I'm yeah I love it I'm typing and I'm getting soft skin fuck you Will. Yeah. I'm you don't even know about it <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, I don't know why it's wild to me to even hear you saying that you have the Korean um, spa uh, like scrub brush to scrub off the dead skin. In my head, I was like, I thought you had to go to a spa to get that. And I'm like, no. oh, you can you can buy that. That's the yeah, thing they have that... like a gift shop, and you can like buy like packs of oh, five and it. stuff. And like, oh, are you looking at but... two hoes the scrub? Okay, like we <laughs> yeah, y'all be scrubbing. Yeah, we be scrub. Yeah, we be scrubbing. Mm-hmm. Two hoes that scrub needs to be a pilot. You need to write that. <laughs> okay, let's that. write it. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. Grace Edwards yes, is here now is working on two Deadline.com. <laughs> told you. <laughs> Do people still say told you for deadline? I don't care. I know. I, I love it. <laughs> um, I had a question. I, I wanted to know if you were wearing a power piece today and if you could describe for our listeners what a power piece is. I buy a lot of native jewelry. Um, mm-hmm. I love native jewelry, uh, specifically Navajo jewelry, because that's my tribe. And um, when you go out and and try to get a job interview or you have a mm-hmm. dissertation or mm-hmm. when I was pitching, I had like a mm-hmm you know, um, glove compartment full of jewelry and I would pick, you know, the power piece that I would go in and feel oh, most wow. yeah. confident wearing. Um, so yeah, today I, I was very nervous about being on a panel with Robin Thede. She's like such a force. Yes. And I was like, ah, oh. friend of the and, um, and, mm-hmm. oh my God. And so I, I had a, um, squash blossom necklace, which was like a giant piece of turquoise and silver work. And um, it was gifted to me uh, at the Indian Gaming Conference because we show, we did a a Rutherford Falls panel and they gave the men bolo ties and they gave the women these squash blossom necklaces and it's huge and it's beautiful. And so I put that on um, and uh, some big earrings and then I have a beaded bracelet that says Skoden, which is like a native lingo for like, let's go then. And and then I wore that and I wore um, Cody Sanderson is this amazing Navajo silversmith and he mm-hmm. has this silver ring that has the word bitch backwards on it. So like if you punch someone, you leave the word oh, bitch on their face. Yeah, <laughs> I'm obsessed. I need that. <laughs> Cody, are you listening? I need that I in need my that. life. I need it. <laughs> Cody, I mean, I, 
never been in a fight, but I will, I will get, get in one. one. <laughs> uh, you want to get into one wearing one of his rings, and, and I have a couple pieces in in the show. Um, Brother for Falls, there's a scene where Terry's about to go up against a huge corporation and he opens uh-huh. up this safe filled with native jewelry. And it was all the jewelry from the writers and um, this gentleman named Bird Running Water. Oh, and we all donated pieces to put in. And one of them was this Cody Sanderson bracelet. And that's what he wears. But that was like one of the first things I bought when I got TV money because that was Ooh. like a real sign. Like I had made yes. it as I had a Cody Sanderson piece. You but yeah. So and like sometimes too, when like your pitch doesn't go well, you're like, got to change up the power pieces. Like put this oh. one back and put this one on. And, yeah. and you have like, you know, I have like jewelry from my grandma and joy for my mom like my mom gave me a bunch of pieces when I had mm-hmm. to do press last year and stuff so That's it's a, it's a native thing we love we love our jewelry my son has a jewelry box with jewelry you start wearing it really early like uh-huh. little baby bracelets and baby necklaces and stuff and so That's we start way. we start real young yeah my friend AZ Dungy uh black and native yes. writer she makes beautiful earrings Gorgeous stuff. Yes. Yeah. She was a writer on season two of uh, Brotherford. Oh, great. I just, I, yeah. I love her to pieces. She's so and, smart. But, but her taste, oh my God. Like we just, like it's it's always a lot of the writers on our show who are Native are also beadwork artists. So Janice mm-hmm. Weeding and yeah. Bobby Wilson, they do a lot of quill work. And like some of them, I was like, I would hire you off of your beadwork. Like just the precision <laughs> and the, the humor from some of these pieces. I was like, yeah. I would staff them based on their beadwork, like 100%. <laughs> do you have like, a formative piece of like art um, that has had an impact on your life, like a book, a play, a show, you know, even a painting or something um, that has had an, an effect on you. Oh man. I would say the Godfather. Mm. I would say when Harry met Sally and I would say my mom and her sister worked on this giant two gray Hills rug. It took them four years to weave. And I was like, I was like six or seven when they, it took them, they fought for two years. So it really only took them two years to weave, but there was like a breakup in the middle and then they got the band back together. Yeah. But watching like, but like watching my mom and her work on this piece, they won um, Best of Show at Santa Fe Indian Market, which was the first time in like 70 years a textile had ever won. And it really Mm -hmm. changed the face of Navajo weaving. And so Mm -hmm. to watch these like native women, um, go through this like artistic process and have a vision and a plan and execute it. We were like on CNN. My mom's rug was like in business week. It was bought by this, was bought by this like software engineer, millionaire guy. And and it really changed our lives. It changed the kind of course of my whole future. But Mm -hmm. there was something about like watching her weave into the night. It was like the first thing she saw when she woke up. It was the last thing she saw when she went to sleep. Like Mm -hmm. she just wove and wove. And it was like a a lady with a dream. Like it was really, Mm -hmm. and I remember being like so inspired and when she was weaving, weaving is so sedentary. Like we were binge watching before that was a thing. Like we'd go to Blockbuster and get like eight (laughs) movies and the sun would come up and I would be like beating and she would be weaving. And it was just like, Mm. she was like, we were like coworkers a lot in the summertime. And I think watching her make art and then watching these movies and having her explain them to me and my dad explain them, like that was like very formative. I think it's beautiful. Like when, um, artists actually grow up in artists' households. So like, that lesson yeah. that your mother kind of taught you, like weaving this this rug for all those years, like it's like persist, like like yeah. like that's such a beautiful lesson that you know we as 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 artists have to learn. Like the, it's the persistence and it's the vision and seeing mm-hmm. it all the way through to the end because a lot of people would have given up, a lot of people wouldn't have finished that rug. But look how sure. it was such a. a 
a change maker for your whole family. That's yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, Thank and you. then also oh. I love when Harry met Sally. That's like one of my <laughs> favorite movies um, of all time. I want that movie, Sierra. The movie about this rug <laughs> and this mother daughter sister or aunt relationship around this rug. That sounds. Beautiful. Oh, mm. thank you. I hope so. I hope to write it someday. I was going to say, I want to see baby Sierra with her hands on her hips, like Meg Ryan, with the Kathy <laughs> cartoon and a tiny little coffee. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> literally like, I'm an adult. <laughs> it's like, no, girl, you're eight. <laughs> I'm watching no, the Godfather. Like Excuse me. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> no, I definitely was like a tiny 40-year-old. Like once I turned 40, I was like, oh, thank God. I'm finally this thing I've been pretending Here. to be for, <laughs> for 30 years. Um, no, I was just going to add, like you were talking about like that artist persistence. And I also think one of the things that really helped I remember you talking, Amy, one time, I don't know if you remember this, about like Nigerian confidence. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's my oh. Nigerian confidence. And yep. she would just like reference it. And I was like, oh my God. And I think like Navajos have something similar where it's like mm-hmm. knowing your worth, like just mm-hmm. really like forcing people to recognize your worth. And and I feel like my my mom was an artist who never was recognized as an artist. Mm-hmm. She was recognized as like a craftsperson or right. like a curio creator kind of thing. And But she knew she was an artist and and one time we went to LACMA to see this Van Gogh exhibit and Mm -hmm. um, it was really beautiful. And my parents cared about art. So they took us to see it, but there was a rug exhibit of rugs that were made during, um, I want to say the 1800s, which is around Mm -hmm. the time Van Gogh was around. And she was like, everyone knows who Van Gogh is and no one knows who these women are. And she was like, she was like, they didn't get to sign their work. So no one knows who they are. And it was really Mm -hmm. her calling to like, and so she started doing recreations of rugs from that time period. And I think like that is something when you're talking about like matriarchs and Mm -hmm. and feeling like a boss, like watching them have to really like demand that their worth be recognized was like integral to like my career and, and my, my, my path. Uh, Sierra, wow. I feel we we both feel so much better now that we've talked to you. Oh, oh thank you for saying great. that. Same. <laughs> yeah, same, she's same. right. Like the world is is still a, a terrible place, but it sucks a little less because <laughs> we've talked to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we know what you have coming up, but I'd love for you to just let us know. You know, feel free to plug it. And if there's anything else you want to plug, feel free to mention. Um Yes. So Rutherford Falls season two um, is premiering June 16th on Peacock. I hope everyone will watch. Please binge it. Please watch something else after you finish it. So the algorithm thinks we're good boys and girls. And uh, thank you so much for having me on here. It's just, it was so, so lovely. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming. And um, where uh, can people find you on the internet? I'm at Sierra Ornalis on most platforms. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Sierra. Oh, Okay, to close this out, we're doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? Sure I am. Go for it. Okay. When creativity melds together with global issues, I believe you can bring the world together. And that's by Virgil Abloh. Uh, mm. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, again, That's when creativity melds together with global issues. I believe you can bring the world together. Virgil Abloh. Um, That's beautiful. I I love Virgil Abloh. His death really affected me. I'm going to be honest. I was really, really emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't always get mad emotional when celebrities die. I think it was just because it felt like 
he was in his zone of genius when he died. Mm-hmm. Like he had already yeah. conquered so much and he was like getting into directing and like um, uh, set design and all these other cool things that extend beyond, like are, are um, beside and yet beyond his role as a creative um, director for Louis Vuitton. And I had just started buying his stuff. Like I have a Virgil mm. Abloh wallet. I have off-white shoes. Like I was just so obsessed with him and like mm-hmm. where he was going as a Black creative. I even like was in Miami and went to like they had uh, where his show was and I went and Art saw. Basel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. during Art Basel, I went and saw the setting for his last um, runway show and I watched it live on the Louis Vuitton <laughs> Twitter page. Sorry, this is not about the quote at all. I'm just saying I'm a huge Virgil Abloh fan and I'm obsessed yeah, with yeah. him. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it really affected me when he passed and I kept wondering mm-hmm. why. And I think so much of it was because because even though we clowned him for like donating $10 to, to charities and things like that, it was like he really was someone who's like, I stand for the culture and I play in all spaces, but I'm going to use my creativity to uplift Blackness across the world. Um, mm-hmm. And it made me feel the same way as like, like design and television and movies, they have a way to impact mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Um, so when I hear this quote, I feel like he's, it's almost like him saying that that it was mm-hmm. his purpose to use mm-hmm. creativity and meld mm-hmm. it with global issues like uh, what does it mean to elevate blackness? And mm-hmm. then he was hoping to bring the world together by doing this. So the quote mm-hmm. to me kind of like speaks to his like mission as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um I will say there's part of me, like a skeptic in me that is kind of like, I mean, we can try, but will it work? Uh, Case in point, America sucking. But I also (laughs) am sort of like, we have to have grand ambitions to achieve big things. And I think that's what this speaks to is a grand ambition. And I think it's beautiful, but I'm also biased because I love him. So um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) What does the quote make you think, Grace? Um, Well, it just makes me think about the power of art to... um, bring issues to people's hearts instead of to their heads. Mm, So mm -hmm, you can, mm -hmm. you can watch, you can know that there were black people being lynched, um, you know, since the beginning of this country, frankly. But if you listen to strange fruit by Billie holiday, it it gives you an emotion, you know, you can know something intellectually, but what I think the power of art is, is to make you feel it's to, sort of make it into an emotional thing that you can consume. So, you know, Strange Fruit, Billie Holiday, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, like Jill Scott Heron, What's Going On, Marvin Gaye, like, you know, movies like Moonlight and Hidden Figures and, you know, 12 Years a Slave or whatever. Mm. Like, (laughs) it's... I mean, yes. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It connects, you know, facts into an emotion, um, Mm. which I think is the wonderful thing about art. So what Virgil was saying and what his art was an example of is the way that you can use um, your art, no matter what medium it is, to bring awareness to things, to bring an emotion to things, to celebrate a culture, to um, 
make us feel something about something we know emotionally. Like we can know how hard it is to be a black gay man in America, but then you watch Moonlight and you watch it happen and you watch all the ways it manifests in these characters' lives and it makes you more connected to the struggle if you are a person that has empathy. So I think what Virgil was saying was that art has the power to um, take history and um, current issues and and frame them in a way in an artistic expression, whether it be a song or a pair of sneakers or um, a film or a television show um, to um, make people feel more deeply about that thing. Um, And frankly, that's what I love about comedy and about being a comedy writer is Mm -hmm. that you can hide a lot of things in humor. You can give somebody like a little candy with their medicine. Um, And as somebody who uh, loves to do that. Nighttime candy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, that's definitely what it makes me think and feel. That's beautiful. Okay, thanks for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? Yeah, I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracieact. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show the antidote pod that's the with two e's if you like feeling good about yourself please subscribe and rate us five stars at apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts goodbye and congrats on being a bad bitch the antidote is hosted by us amy aniobi and grace edwards it's produced by jenna hanchard and our associate producer is taylor polidor our executive producer is erica kraus and our editor is erica janik Sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Okay.